Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, if you were listening just a couple minutes ago, we're talking to Nate Zielinski. I'm going to bring him back up. And, Nate, with this weather we had uh, last week, I didn't know whether to think about taking my boat out or make sure my ice fishing stuff was ready. You know, Terry, it's one of those things that, I mean, obviously, I think ice fishing is becoming so popular. It's one of the more anticipated sports. So, um, you know, I think hunting season oftentimes creeps up with us because summer is, you know, it's fun and it's busy and there's so much to do. And I think hunting creeps up on us a lot. Ice is one of those things that, you know, your major retailers, like your Bass Pro, they've had ice gear out for six weeks now. But regardless, a lot of us really don't think it's going to start until December. And even early December is early for us. And all of a sudden this year, um, you know, it's October and guys have been fishing the lakes that you're willing to hike into, you know, the lakes at 13,000 feet. It's a little bit of a chore getting there, but those guys have been on that ice for two weeks, um, which is not normal, but I'd say it, you know, it's anticipated, but again, it's a, it's a smaller population of people willing to hike up there. But all of a sudden last week, literally, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, we had extreme cold and some of the normal fisheries um, built ice. And it was one of those shockers to us. Uh, I can tell you that I went to Spinney on the 31st for the closure of boating. Um, I was in my boat. I was excited to, to pound on those big rainbows. Um, I pull up and literally half of Spinney uh, is frozen to where I, you know, they had to close the boat docks, you know, for safety reasons. I was not able to launch my boat Thursday. Um, I went down to check it out and I was able to walk on the ice on Spinney. Uh, you know, it had walkable ice and you're seeing a lot of the high country to where, you know, the main bodies of water are still open, but the coves, the bays um, have ice that guys are walking on. And again, if the, if the temperatures continue, we're going to continue to see more and more ice build. Now, you know, that spinning when I was there that day, it was negative 10 that morning. Um, we are going to warm up. So a lot of this ice is going to be short lived where guys are fishing it today. They might not be able to next week, but regardless, um, getting temps that cold, get the water temperature to where we need, get that water dense. Um, and I think it's going to be uh, an early ice season, whether it continues from where it is right now or we thaw and then we start again. But regardless, uh, ice is on the brain without a doubt. And you pull up the, the social media forums, um, ice is the top. And uh, yeah, it's exciting to see. Well, you talk about social media. I posted that you and I were going to talk some ice fishing and ice fishing safety today. And then I pulled up a chart that I've gotten from a couple different departments of, uh, you know, like the DNR in Minnesota and the parks in Iowa and Colorado State Parks. It's just a chart where I said, you know, here's recommend recommendations for new th clear ice and what it'll support it went viral nate i mean i po i posted it on halloween thinking you know no one's people are going to be doing things on halloween so i want to put something out there telling you're going to be on we're going to talk about it but i'm not going to spend a lot of time so we'll maybe get you know a couple thousand reaches right tens of thousands <laughs> yep, and well, all it, and all across the country, there is, it's a, there's no doubt ice is on the brain. Well, and I want to talk about some of the freezing, some ice safety, and then I want to talk about some open water opportunities too. But first yeah. of all, let's let's kind of go around and talk about maybe a few of the places where, you know, even though we're going to get some warm weather down here, the sun is getting lower and lower in the sky. 
we're going to get um, colder nighttime temperatures. We're gonna we're not gonna lose a lot of ice, maybe on the front range, but you know elevations like Spinney, Red Feathers, uh, North Park, everything iced over this week. Now it capped, wasn't walkable yet, but no no shore fishing or a boat fishing. Uh, what is the what what's Eleven Mile doing? You know, 11 Mile, for the most part, the main body of water is wide open. Um, the bays did freeze. Now, I, not a lot of guys are walking on it, but um, you, know, you see some guys kind of poking around. But I would say 11 Mile is not the best because it's wide open. Uh, places like Terryall capped. Um, again, I don't want to say go there. I don't want to say it's fishable. Um, but there are places at Terryall that, that guys are, are standing on ice. Again, I don't know if it's situation where you want to stand in two feet of water and catch rainbows and you know be safe uh, but you know places like carry off cap all of those smaller bodies of water that are protected from wind are the fisheries that have ice so the biggest thing to think about is is look at the the aerial shots of the lake you know 11 miles in a wide open valleys um it got hit pretty hard with wind uh had we not had wind on the two of the nights last week we probably would have capped 100 percent you know again i think it would open up but it capped spinning the half of the lake that's protected from the wind capped hard um so you're really looking at the the kind of the topography of the land around it um and if those areas are not getting hit with wind more than likely if they're in higher elevation they got some good ice um so you're thinking about all those type fisheries uh i heard a lot of reports about georgetown i did not see it personally Again, I don't want to spread rumors, uh, but I heard a lot of guys talking about portions of Georgetown. Uh, I heard a bunch of guys talking about portions of Evergreen, uh, which is very low for us. I know Soda Lakes, uh, not big soda that you can fish, but the water ski lake, it capped 100%, uh, which is down in town, which is pretty cool to see. But if you're looking for those opportunities, you're looking for smaller bodies of water that are protected by wind, and that's going to be your, your opportunities for now. But again, you know, I hate these talks because I feel like we beat it up. We talk about ice safety and all this stuff so much, but it is one of those things that, you know, there's so many new anglers that are out here listening to us. Um, this time of year, I mean, ice is always changing. In January, I always say, hey, even though you are here last week, check the ice again. Um, but this time of year, it is changing drastically. So every day, we could have, tell you that there is, there's good ice on a place now, and by the time you go tomorrow, it might not be. Um, so it does change fast for the better or for the worse. Um, so just always, this time of year, really be cautious. And with that said, um, you know, it, it does. Ice builds about 10 times faster than it goes away. Um, you know, these ice build ice that, or the lakes build ice that, you know, you can stand on as what we call fishable, um, you know, very quickly. And it does not go away. We all know that. We're all spring anglers that are anticipating ice off. Um, you know, and it can be 90 degrees or 80 degrees and that ice stays. So again, ice stays longer uh, than it does as far as in the melting phase. So we like that. So as we're building now, as long as the wind doesn't rip it up, uh, you know, more than likely we, we, we do build quick especially with the shorter days, nighttime cold temps. Um, again, it doesn't get warm enough till 10, and you know, it just works out with the angles of the sun uh, that we are building ice in a lot of places and more likely we'll keep it, but it does change fast, so, so keep up on those changes. Well, we will have, it looks like, fishable ice in a lot of areas, even if you have to drive a little bit very soon, much earlier than normal. I'm usually looking the third or fourth week, usually sometime around Thanksgiving, which is late this year, by the way, so it's a different gauge. Um, and that's what I usually try to plan. But Brad Peterson and I were talking, and I think the earliest we've been out on the front range is November 4th or 5th, and that's right around the corner. But so it, but it is a year where we could build early ice. I think you and I would agree one of the best tools to use to check ice 
this time of the year is I don't venture out without a spud bar. I'm 100% with you, Terry. The spud bar is my life. You know, and I got to say that I uh, I am one of those people that unfortunately had a, a, a rough starting of my ice fishing career. Uh, I broke through the ice several times. I'm not proud of it, but I believe I went through six times between Colorado and Minnesota, and then I had one more. So I've had seven total go-throughs. I've had uh, six that were a little rough. Um, you know, our good friend of ours, he unfortunately moved away to Oregon, but a good friend of ours, Jeff Looney, used to constantly be on me. He's like, Nate, carry a spud bar. And I'm like, I am not carrying that heavy thing. I got enough gear. I'm not doing it. And after the seventh time, I started to mature a little a quick bit. quick learner. I'm like, you know what? It <laughs> might. Well, I, I started to. I didn't say I'm fully there, but I started to grow up a little bit. I carried a spud bar and, uh, I think I am officially 14 years safe of uh, of going through now. So I've uh, I've been dry for 14 years now that I've started carrying a spud bar. Um, it's a life changing tool. It's one of those things that, and this time of year, you know, number one, it keeps you safe. If you use a spud bar correctly, you will not go swimming because, again, if you carry a heavy enough spud bar and you hit it hard enough. Um, you know, I know that when I am spudding, if my spud bar is not breaking through, I am 100% safe. Uh, but again, you have to judge your spud bar to your strike. You have to know how far it's penetrating um, and, you know, know what that, that situation is like. But for me personally, when I slam that spud bar, I can tell the ice density. I can tell the ice quality, the way it sounds, the way it feels. Um, I can read that ice of my spud bar and it keeps myself and all of our guests on guided trips very safe. So again, it's, it's a tool that I need. And to be honest, Terry, for about the first three weeks of the ice season, I don't even carry an auger. I mean, I, I have every Jiffy auger made um, at my disposal, and half the time I'm just carrying my spud bar because as long as that ice is, you know, that four or five inches of that good, you know, ice you can stand on, um, my spud bar rips through that so quickly. I carry the big Jiffy Malax uh, ice chisel. So if I have less than that five, six inches, I just use my spud bar. So I, I, I have one piece of equipment. It's my safety gear as well as my hole-making device, uh, and it's a great great combination there. Well, you're absolutely right. I was going to bring that up if you didn't, that a lot of times on early ice, um, I use a spud bar, and then I can make whatever size hole I want. You and I can argue about that later in the ice fishing season because <laughs> we both have a different view on that. But but you're right. The spud bar is all you need to carry. By the way, if folks want to see the proper use of a spud bar, if you go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and go to the um, Ice Fishing North Michigan Reservoir, I do a little bit on electronics, a little bit on small jigs, but I start the first maybe 10 minutes, 5, 10 minutes of that show looking at early ice, looking at the different colors of the ice because it froze in a couple different layers, and then using a spud bar and showing how I use it to check the ice and, and how I measure the ice even after I get a hole in it and things like that. So it's a great one. You know, Nate, we have a, we have a saying, you and I, and that saying is that um, there's no such thing as safe ice, but if you use common sense, uh, ice fishing can be very safe. And, and that's, that's what, you know what I mean. It is what it is. You have to be cautious. I mean, things do happen and conditions change. Uh, but you look at myself and, you know, we host events with a thousand people standing in one area. Um, ice is a very strong material. It is so much stronger than anybody gives it credit for. It is, a, it is an extremely strength 
uh, matter when it comes to it. But again, you have to know a lot of things. And, you know, when we talk about ice safety, you know, again, everybody talks about thickness and we, we, I don't want to say we discourage that because it matters, but ice quality is, is a thousand times more important than ice thickness. And I actually did, uh, I've done quite a few or quite a bit of consulting uh, with DNR agencies and things like that, because there's no gauge of it. There's no measuring device to say, okay, how much, you know, strength will this hold? But throughout holding our tournaments, a lot of people have put some, you know, put some some push behind us. At, you know, what is good ice? What, how much does it hold? Things like that. And, you know, when we get ready for an ice fishing tournament, we actually do core samples. So we drill uh, like an eye bolt into the ice, take a chainsaw, cut out a square around it, pull that out. We actually look at the quality of the ice. When you pull it out, you can see when you have bad ice, you'll see the good ice in the middle and then you'll see ice rot above and below that center core. Um, so we do ice samples before core samples before our tournaments and we make sure we're on that, that top quality strong ice. So again, ice quality is more important. And right now, your quality is at a peak. It's good, hard, cold ice. We haven't had sun beating it up. We haven't had UV. We haven't had rot. Um, but, again, it's one of those things that we do get into those warmer days. You're really looking at quality versus quantity when it comes to ice. So think about all those things when you get out there. Now, well, I want to spend about another minute or two on ice fishing, and then I want to real quick talk about the open water because we're going to have some good open water yet on the front range yet. But one of the things I want to talk about is – when you get out ice fishing, you know, we can talk about the walleyes and things, but they're probably not going to be available for a while. It's going to be higher lakes, smaller bodies of water that are stocked with trout or have holdover or resident populations. And the biggest mistake people make on this early ice trout fishing is fishing too deep. I could not agree more, Terry. The biggest thing for me, if you want a question about catching big trout right now, it is shallow water with big baits. That is 100% the combination that is going to catch you more fish at the end of the day. So when I get on this early ice, I don't care if it's South Park, North Park, um, it would be rare for me to fish deeper than five feet of water. I'm focused on that three to five feet. You have kokanee spawning in a bunch of these lakes. So you have browns and rainbows up in there feeding on those eggs. You have the, the late spawning browns that are still up shallow. Um, there's food shallow. There's opportunity shallow. So those big fish are shallow. Even a lot of fish are shallow shallow so i number one i'm in five foot or less and then the other thing these fish still have a ton of energy there's no lack of oxygen yet the water temperature even though to us we think it's cold it is right in the wheelhouse of, of activity for those big trout so i use a bigger bait when you drop down a, a rat or a little one inch tube jig um the fish love it it's the right size but the visibility the profile of that bait those fish don't see it from a ways off this early ice, when these fish are full of energy, I love going to that four or five foot of water. I'll drop down a two, two and a half, three inch, three and a half inch tube jig. Um, you know, natural colors. They can see that bait from 20, 30 feet away. It makes a big stamp and it pulls those fish in. Now, as we start getting into, you know, late December, January, that's when I start going down to your traditional ice jigs, your, your inch, inch and a half tubes, all your small baits, your little spoons. But right now, throwing, a, throwing those bigger baits creates that profile they can see it they have the energy and boy you, you catch a lot of fish with that combination 
All right, we got only got about two, three minutes, Nate. Um, I'm still hopeful of getting my boat out. Uh, Dan Swanson and I, later on this hour, are going to talk the spoon jigging bite, mostly and how he uses electronics. What are you looking at for as far as open water? You know, we, we are on fire right now with our walleye bite. I do have to say one more comment. Uh, I just got a text from somebody. Our ice addiction tickets, obviously our ice tournament, we're talking ice, uh, our tickets go on sale November 5th. So that is this Tuesday, I believe, uh, is when our tickets go on sale. So, again, we have a huge $10,000 first place prize per event. Uh, so every event we're giving out $10,000 cash for first. Um, no gimmicks. You don't have to catch a tagged fish. You don't have to catch a limit of fish. You don't have to do anything. The heaviest single fish of any species is going home with $10,000 cash. Uh, so you can go to our website, tightlandoutdoors.com, but just make sure you mark your calendars. Uh, 8 a.m. on November 5th is when those tickets go on sale. Uh, so again, just doing a little, little public service thing right there. So make sure you put that am, in your calendars. Am, am I eligible? Absolutely. Oh. We'd love to have you out. <laughs> I haven't fished an ice fishing tournament in 100 years. <laughs> I think uh, I think we could all use ten thousand cash. It'd be oh. great. I'm gonna make you take me to dinner though if you win it. Okay. So tell me, open water. Open water. So guys, we have walleyes right now, and I think what you said about Dan, I would definitely listen to that segment. Right now, our fish are gathered up. Our bait fish finally dropped down. Now that our water's in the low fifties, high forties, so all our bait fish, your shad, your spot tail shiners, all that bait is gathered. So your walleyes are gathered as well. So it's officially the fall bite. More than likely, those fish are going to be in somewhat deeper water. The shallowest fish I'm finding right now are in about 14 to 16 feet at your Chatfields, Cherry Creeks, places like that. I have a few shallower, but for the most part, that 14, 16 feet is where I'm finding them. And I'm finding them all the way down to the mid 30s, so 30 feet, 35 feet. Uh, but they are gathered up. When you find one, you find dozens or hundreds. Um, so for me personally, I am living on that graph. I am not fishing unless I see them on my fish finder. Um, so drive around, find those fish. If they're spread out on a flat, I'm trolling crankbaits for them. That trolling bite at Chatfield is still on fire. Lead core and cranks. Uh, if they're on structure, on drop-offs, you know, sunken islands, things like that, uh, that's where I'm fishing jigs, fishing jig and wraps, fishing blade baits, uh, and catching a ton of fish on that. And then with that, the cold water, if you don't have a boat, people are like, hey, I don't have a fish finder. I'm on shore. The low light periods of the day are key. Those bait fish are coming up in shallow water at night. So if you do not have a boat, do not have that, you are still in the game very, very much so. Uh, throwing jerk baits in low light periods of the day, dams, points, things like that. Um, there are guys catching a lot of fish and a lot of big fish at night right now. So again, if you don't have a boat, focus on uh, the you know the last hour of light, the first couple hours of dark. Uh, that jerkbait bite is going very strong. All right, we got to go, my friend. If people want more information, it's tightlineoutdoors.com and tightline on Facebook, right? That's it. All right, my friend. Thank you, and you and the you and the twins enjoy the uh, the birthday, and I think it's just a great way to celebrate and thank them for being such great patriots. Absolutely, we'll definitely do that. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Nate Zielinski. Right. Great, great, great contributor. All right, we'll take a quick time out. We'll have more outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I want to cover a couple things real quick. We still have a great shooting segment coming up, and Dan Swanson is going to join us this hour yet to talk the deep open water spoon bite and how to use your electronics, and he's the best at that. I want to talk to you about our Facebook page. If you had you were following us or liking us on Facebook, you would have saw the little ice fishing chart 
that I put up, the little ice chart that I put up from the government agencies, it's really taken off on what thickness of good ice will support what type of a person walking, ice fishing, uh, a vehicle, whatever it takes. And we're going to do more than that, too. Pretty soon we're going to be starting our um, our legends of ice fishing. We'll have guys like Dave Gens, Bro Brosdahl, Greg Clajo, maybe Steve Panaz, and, of course, some of our local guys right here, too, like Nate Zielinski and Brad Peterson. We'll have a lot of great ice fishing information coming up over the next month. And a lot of times we'll preview that on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So if you're liking us or following us, you're going to get to see who's coming up so you'll know. And then when we have a great interview like that, a lot of times we'll take the podcast right after that and put that up on our Facebook page. Another thing I'm going to throw up on the Facebook page uh, in the next couple days is Nate and I talked a lot about using a spud bar to uh, to check ice safety. I'm going to put up, uh, you can go see it on Terry Wickstrom, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube right now, but I'm going to put a link on on Facebook to that uh, North Michigan Reservoir show where I really go through a demo on how to use the spud bar. Couple last comments too. Nate and I talked a lot about open water fishing, and Dan and I are going to talk about that. It's going to be in a boat, and we talked about ice fishing. A lot of you don't do either one. Here on the Front Range, with this water cooling, if you can find good shore access that's free of ice, the trout are going to be active and near shore. This is a great time for shore fishermen to go out and catch a bunch of rainbow trout, both stocked and holdover fish. So don't leave those rods at home. You get a nice day, go out there and enjoy it. And another reason to follow us on Facebook, we're going to be posting trivia questions and giving away really nice prizes to the people that know the answer. So follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and listen to us on Terry Wickstrom on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to have more outdoors after this time out on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones. And joining us, one of my favorite fishing contributors who, every now and then I heard he shoots a shotgun too, Jr. from uh, Colorado Clays. Good morning. Good morning, Terry. So I guess you guys are probably getting ready to close for the season, huh? <laughs> uh, not quite, Terry. You know how it goes out here. Yeah. You guys are actually a year-round facility and... And, you know, we get a lot of nice weather uh, throughout the year. We're going to get good days. But even in questionable weather, uh, shotgunning, a lot of times you've got to get out there with those clothes on you hunt on to get the true feel of how your gun swings and all that. But you do a lot more than that during the upcoming season, don't you? Uh, we sure do, Terry. And, like say, in addition to, uh, you know, the prep for the hunting season, you know, as the premier public shooting facility in Colorado – not only do we offer, of course, the finest in that rifle, pistol, trap, skeet, wobble trap, and sporting clay shooting opportunities to everyone with no membership required. We do it year-round, which, of course, includes the holiday season. And, you know, Terry, this is really just another example of how Colorado Clays serves not only our local communities in the metro area, Colorado's front range in our entire state, but also how we provide recreational and competitive shooting opportunities to individuals, groups, businesses, and organizations across our great country. And by that, I mean, for example, a couple weeks ago, uh, the Colorado State University Shotgun Sports Program, they hosted a multi-state invitational competition here for college shooting teams from many states in our region who 
took advantage of our great facility and the special pricing we offer to all of those kids' organizations promoting our outdoor sports. And, if, you know, we'd regularly have people from all over the country fly into Denver for, you know, whether it's business meetings, bachelor, bachelorette parties, and, of course, the holidays. And one of the top destinations while they're in town is Colorado Clay Shooting Park. So, like you're saying, something folks should keep in mind when those friends and family are in town for the holidays is the fact that Colorado Clays is open year-round. We're open to the public. We're an easy drive from most anywhere. And, of course, the best staff in the industry is here to make it a great experience. And one fun fact uh, you might enjoy, Terry, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, a.k.a. Black Friday, um, there apparently are a lot of people who don't like standing in line shopping on that day, and that is a very busy and very great day for folks to get out with those friends and family here to Colorado Clays. Uh, you know, and, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm one of those guys that I'm not into recreational shopping. But, you know, there's another about events coming up. You have an annual event coming up that's kind of fun, your, your turkey shoot for Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, and this is a fun one to get into. This is something we do once a year, Terry, and this is just a little local Colorado Clays type thing. Um, it's a very straightforward format. Come out on November 23rd. That's a Saturday, 9 o'clock, Colorado Clays. Uh, we open up three traps and dedicate them to just a real quick single elimination type um, shoot-off. So you go up and shoot one target from each post on the trap line. If we have a tie, we go back to the back and have a shoot-off. Winner takes a turkey, and we just process it. We uh, have different types of stuff. We'll have the gals shoot. We'll have the kids shoot. We'll have grudge matches with uh, some guys that want to talk some smack. We'll have a fire going in the parking lot. And this is just a super fun time if you want to come shoot in a laid-back, competitive atmosphere with a bunch of fun people and maybe take home a turkey. Yeah, it just sounds, it's just a great, great thing. Well, I know you guys. You guys have been partners now for a long time. And I know if you do it, it's going to be fun and it's done right. You and I had a talk this week, and I don't want to, I don't want to get you all sobby, but you guys take care of the people we send out to you. You provide a great experience with quality people, and the way you treat people is, uh, is fantastic. We're proud to have you as a partner. Now, before you start getting all teary-eyed, it's going to be upland game season here next weekend. I, we need to get people ready. And, Terry, that's a good point. That is coming, and we've talked about this many times, Terry. Any trigger time prior to season is good preparation for any type of bird hunting. But that upland stuff has its own uh, unique um, practice points, and here at Colorado Clays, the wobble trap is the number one draw for preparation for those seasons. And, of course, come out with the gear you're going to use with the gun and uh, set yourself up to be ready. Uh, take advantage of the multitude of presentations you can get representing upland flushes on our skeet fields with that wobble trap overlay and uh, get out there ahead of the game. And wear the clothes. You know, I know it, it may be warm, it may be cool, you may be changing in the field, but wear what you typically hunt in. It makes such a difference in shotgun shooting. Well, absolutely, Terry. Uh, gun fit is such a big factor in um, consistent shotgun shooting. And 
changing the clothes you wear uh, an extra inch on the shoulder can really change that fit. So you need to understand that and make the adjustments necessary, whether it's just in how you hold and bring the gun up, or if you have an adjustable gun, make those adjustments so you're comfortable and ready to go for each flush. Well, you know, what I like to do is I like to catalog all the things that can affect my shooting, so I have a number of excuses. I, I didn't hear a response there. Uh, Terry, you cut out. Uh, I, oh, I said I like to catalog all the things that can affect my shooting. That gives me a number of excuses. <laughs> right. The excuse list grows the more you think about it, too. Oh, it does. There's so many things that could affect my shot. It certainly couldn't be lack of ability on my part. Absolutely no. not. <laughs> hey, before I let you go, um, you guys, it's, it's early, but if somebody wants their Christmas shopping early, you got some ideas for shooting enthusiasts? Well, and, that, and thank you for bringing that up, Terry. So here at Colorado Clays, uh, we do have a large variety of Colorado Clays gear, whether it's hats, shirts, hoodies, stickers, pins, and other shooting-related gifts. But, Terry, the number one gift from Colorado Clays for that enthusiast is a gift card. And you can pick them up, you can get them by mail, or get them in the email. And those are good for gear, ammo, shooting, instruction, whatever the your uh, person wants to spend them on and something i want to say terry there are some really nice nine millimeter earrings here that i think would look great on karen my concern is that they might remind you of how much practice you need to keep up with her on the pistol range. Yeah, it's about time for you to go now. How do people find you at Colorado Clays? <laughs> Colorado ColoradoClays.com. Uh, definitely take the virtual tour if you haven't been to our facility or want to know what we're about. Or give us a call, 303-659-7117, and we'll take care of whatever you need. Hey, always great, my friend, and always great to talk and banter with you. We'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you, Terry. You bet. That's Jr. from Colorado Clays. Truly, truly good people and a great, great, great experience. So, you know, just drive out there. You don't have to shoot. Go out and check it out. It's just a 15, 20-minute drive out of town up by Brighton, and it's just, you know, north of... Uh, just north of Bar Lake, and you can't miss it. It's just great. It's a fun, fun place. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to be joined by one of the premier walleye fishermen and electronics experts in not only this region but the country, Dan Swanson. And we're going to talk that spoon bite and how you can take advantage of it before the lakes freeze right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You know how to get to me, don't you? Take it to the limit. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And as much as I would love to listen to this song, I am going to go right to the phones because one of my favorite contributors, somebody whose knowledge I respect greatly, especially in electronics and walleye fishing, is joining us, Dan Swanson. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Terry. I like that song, too. Yeah, I'm a big, well, if you listen to the show, and I think you do at times, uh, the, I you, do. you know I'm a big Eagles fan, and we have a running uh, a running controversy about who's more popular in the United States, the Eagles or the Beatles. And every time we do a, a survey, I win. Of course, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I get editing privileges too, though. There you go. <laughs> hey, you know, up till, up till just now, Dan, we've talked quite a bit of fishing, but not a lot of open water. You know, Brad Peterson kind of hinted at it, mentioned that, He'd like to pay attention when you come on because 
you know, he thinks we're still going to have a great spoon bite because of the water temperatures have significantly dropped on the front range. Nate and I talked a lot of ice fishing because the mountains are getting questionable. But again, we think it's going to be time to get the boats out. We think this temperature change is going to really trigger that spoon bite. We're hearing that it's good down at Pueblo and Chatfield. Uh, what are you thinking about these this next couple weeks coming up? What, how, does that sound reasonable to you? Absolutely. This is the time of year that I really look forward to. It's for that when that water starts to cool off. And, you know, sometimes it starts as early as September, and, and I'll fish for these fish until they close the lake. So um, <clears throat> the shad get shocked and they start to die, and it's one of my favorite times to fish. Oh, it really is. And, you know, I, you and I have talked about this many, many times. I've, I've, I wrote the, the chapters on this for um, In Fisherman's Critical Concept books on walleye fishing. I did a lot of the work on it right here on Pueblo and a few reservoirs, McConaughey around here. And I know you've used these tactics all over, including the Front Range of Colorado. Uh, what are some of the keys to being successful at this? I think the keys are, first of all, is finding the bait. And, and when there's cold water like this, um, most of our, ba- our lakes here are shad-based impoundments. Even horse tooth's got shad as well as the smelt. And when that, when that shad starts to die off and it starts fluttering down, those fish are focused on it. And the couple things I'm looking for, one, I'm looking if there's bird activity, like the birds are actually feeding and not just sitting on the water, Those are that's a key to me that there's going to be dying shad around. And I'm going to go look at those areas with my electronics and look for fish on the bottom. The other thing is that we now have access to some really great maps of a lot of the Colorado Front Range lakes. So I'm looking for offshore humps. I'm looking for points. Um, looking for places like where the river channel runs up against a spot where I've got a nice steep drop-off next to it. Those are the areas where I'm going to look for bait and I'll look for walleyes under those fish. So using my maps and my electronics, I can drive around and I can mark fish with make, putting waypoints on them and then fish for those fish vertically. Now, with the modern uh, advancements in our, our side imaging and things like that, it used to be we relied mostly on a down view to find these fish and bait, and it worked because we fished for them almost always vertically. But are you relying more and more on some of the side imaging, or do you still use mostly down imaging? You know, I use mostly the down imaging, but the side imaging can be nice because I can I can see bait off to the side of the boat, uh, you know, one side or the other with the with the down scan. And if there's fish under them, I can pick them up on the side. Um, that allows me I, to cast to those fish that I see on the side imaging, but it also allows me to, I can put a waypoint using my side imaging. I can put a waypoint on any fish I see. I can drive the boat over there and fish vertically on top of them if I want to, depending on how deep the water is. Now, if I don't have some of the modern, sophisticated electronics, maybe mine are back 10, 15 years or even, you know, that type of thing or less expensive, as long as I have decent down view, can I still be successful? Absolutely. In fact, I use that most. I, I would say at least 80% of the time I'm using my my regular, ordinary 2D sonar. And if I can split my screen, which I can on my units, and, and quite a few of them are able to do this, where you can run 83 kilohertz in one screen and 200 kilohertz in the other, I'll use the 83 because it'll give me a wider scan. I can see a lot more of the bottom. I can I can see where more fish are and I get more detail with my 200 kilohertz. So I, I'll use that probably most of the time. I, I, the side scan I use if I can't find the fish, but for the most part, I'm going to use my down scan and, then, and, and my maps and then drive around looking at structure 
and looking at bait fish and looking at what's underneath it. Yeah, the mapping programs, we don't have time today to spend a lot of time on that because I want to get into some techniques, but the last five years or so, the mapping has gotten just phenomenal, hasn't it? It really has. Whether you can download maps for free from Lawrence for most of the Colorado lakes that are shad-based lakes, or you can make your own maps on pretty much any brand. You can drive around and it'll actually create the maps on the unit while you go. Now, I want to, while we still have a couple minutes left, I want to talk about the techniques. You know, if I ask any of the four experts that I'll have on this show in the next couple days or a couple weeks, they're all going to go back and forth between jing wraps, spoons, blade baits, how they fish them, which one they like best and where they fish them. How do you approach it and what, what do you like to use? I, I, my preference, if I had a choice of, of those three, is I'm going to start with a spoon. And I think I'll and I'll use either a half ounce jigging spoon up to a one ounce jigging spoon, um, with three quarters probably eighty percent of the time. And I like that because it you can pop it off the bottom and it and on a semi slack line it, it flips sideways and flutters down to the bottom and it's imitating that dying bait fish. And this time of year that's what I think they're really focused on and you need to be able to imitate that. So that's mostly what I'll use is that. Um if they're not biting that then I'll, the next thing I'll switch to will be a blade bait because sometimes they want that. They like to, I'll rip it off the bottom and then just hold it. Um, and it, they, sometimes they'll hit it while it's completely stationary. And that's smallmouth bass and walleyes, which I tend to fish for both of those things a lot. And then my, my third choice would be either the, like the, the Berkeley snap jig with a plastic on it or the, or a glide style jig, you know, like a jigging wrap or, or a Johnny Dart or something yeah. like that. Yep. Yeah, and, you know, yep. I find that, you know, fishermen tend not to have much confidence in jigging spoons because they don't look like anything. You know, they they don't understand the reaction that fluttering spoon gets, and that's really a key, isn't it, to get that thing to flutter? Oh, yeah, yeah. If you drop it on a, on a tight line, it just drops straight down, and it doesn't imitate anything. But if you get that semi-slack and you get it figured out, you can actually bring it up next to the boat and look at it, and you can you can kind of tell how much slack you need to have to get that thing to fall perf- to to flutter down like a falling leaf is the way I call it, describe it. Now, and the other thing I want to get back to the electronics. One of the thing is just don't motor around the lake with a jigging spoon and continually fish because you'll have an arm you won't be able to use for a week when you get done. You <laughs> really need to find fish or bait first, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. I I don't fish unless I see fish. And if I see fish feeding on bait, I mean, if there's bait, or, I want bait around them, but not necessarily so much bait that, that it can't find my spoon in it. So I kind of want to be near it, um, really focus on those fish and work them. I and if they're not biting and I try a couple different things, move on to the next spot. Um, I spend a lot of time looking at my electronics, probably almost as much doing that as I do fishing. And last, uh, if you were going to head out, it's going to be a little warmer this week. It's probably going to be a good week to get out and do this couple spots you might try and would your techniques vary any well i'm going to go to i'm going to start i'm going to be at Horsetooth tomorrow i'm guiding at Horsetooth, and then i'll probably be out there a lot this week um and i'm going to be looking at offshore humps on Horsetooth and probably fairly deep water and i'll be looking at the sides of those humps as well the other place i'll that i'm going to go is i'm going to go to boyd lake and boyd lake i'll probably focus more on what the birds are doing if they're birds there and look for bait fish underneath or fish underneath those and in there i'll probably find some white bass as well as walleyes 
All right. Well, my friend, we're going to be out of time here, but I want to thank you. Always great information. Uh, People want to book a guide trip or even just get information from you. How would they find you? The best way to reach me is dan at fishfulthinker.com. And also, I always I know it's early, but you're going to be at uh, at the ISE show, and you're going to be putting on in our Experts Corner we started last year some great presentations on electronics. So people need to keep that in mind because there's so much has changed, and there's so many new things you can do with the electronics. Yeah, the technology is really advanced. I've started using that new Lawrence Live site, which is the forward-looking sonar. And I'm using that to scan and look for fish as well. So there's a lot of new stuff out there. Well, as we get a little closer to Christmas, I'll, you know, maybe first part of December, I'll get you back on and we'll, we'll talk about Christmas gift ideas and, and fishing electronics. Great idea. All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll, uh, we'll see you again soon. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. You bet. Dan Swanson, uh, PWT Rookie of the Year, championship qualifier, has been a good friend for many, many years. Uh, very, very knowledgeable. Just pays attention. pay attention to what he says because you'll learn a lot. Remember to follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. I'm going to post some stuff on ice fishing safety there, both ice depths. I've already posted that, and I'm going to post a video I did on how to use a spud bar. We're going to be starting our Legends of Ice Fishing series, and I'll post who's coming on. We're going to have people like Dave Gentz, uh, Bo Brosdahl, Greg Claggio, Steve Panaz, and, of course, some of our local guys right here. And we'll kind of talk about who's coming on, and we'll cover all aspects of the outdoors. And speaking of legends, who just walked into the room but Dan Jacobs? Well, thank you. Now, I'm not a legend because you know what I saw when I pulled up today? What? The Terry Wickstrom Outdoors logoed blue Dodge from Prestige That's Dodge. a Ram now, they say. They, they don't call them Dodge anymore. Am I dating myself? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it's got the logo on it. It says Terry, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on there. I mean, you're rolling around in style, man. That's legendary status. <laughs> well, you know, from being a legendary coach who took a team to a state championship right. that you were on. Yes. And to uh, having caught a couple fish in my life. But that qualifies me then to ask you a question about Broncos quarterbacks. Absolutely. Go ahead. What, what What's wrong with... Uh, Drew Locke, why won't they practice them? It's 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 mind-boggling. In fact, we're going to play the audio. Vic Fangio trotted out there as some. It was some weird excuse as to why they. They've I mean, known for weeks. Yeah, that uh, Flacco had an an issue. They've known for weeks now, and they still are stubborn and say. Not even. I'm not saying they ha- he had to start this week, but they won't even let him practice. Yeah, and how do they even know? He hasn't thrown the ball since. I mean, he hasn't practiced actually since preseason. So uh, I was talking to Kyle, who does a great job, by the way, keeping the show in line until I cut into your time. Right. I was talking to Kyle about it, and he said they just don't like Drew Locke and they're afraid to show him off. But you have to find out. You haven't even seen him practice. I agree with you 100%, Terry. Which it doesn't happen very often. But I agree with you. I don't understand. It makes absolutely no sense. I think Elway's lost his mind. All right. Well, I'll let you. I'll let you continue on with that. We'll wrap up this. The Eagles are have taken us past the top of the hour. And don't forget to join us and follow me on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We will see you next week, same time, nine to eleven on one zero four three. The fans.